Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of AUSU Open Mic. Uh, great to have you listening with us today. My name is Jody Campbell. I'm the executive director here at AUSU, and uh, really glad that you were able to join us. We've got a brand new episode here today, and it's going to be really cool because we're going to be talking to a couple members of our AUSU team uh, and specifically addressing what it's like to be a parent or have dependents while going to university at Athabasca University. So uh, we've got some really cool questions. I think we're going to get some really great answers. And I want to welcome, first off, uh, Karen Fletcher, who is our VP external within our executive team. Uh, thanks for joining us, Karen. Thanks for having me. And we've also got uh, a new timer to the podcast. We want to welcome Katie Lowe, who is one of our AUSU counselors. Uh, also, thanks for hanging out with us today, Katie. Oh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Okay, so we want to get to know you guys a little bit before we get too far here. And so, uh, Katie, we're going to come over to you first. Um, maybe just toss us uh, your name, uh, where you're calling in from today, and maybe the program that you're in at AU. And uh, just for kicks, uh, how many kids do you have in your family? And and we can sort of uh, start the the tone of this podcast because we're talking to a couple students that are also parents. And I think that's very unique for a university student. And so, Katie, I'm just going to hand it over to you to do a little bit of an intro. Yeah, sure. So I'm Katie. Um, I'm calling in today from Calgary. I have three kids. They are, how old are they? They are eight, nine, and 11. Um, and I just actually completed my AU program. I did a four-year Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, so that was pretty cool. And it was a, it was a neat experience with kids. <laughs> Well, first of all, congratulations. And again, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Karen, uh, over to you. Yeah, so I'm calling in from Ottawa. I have three kids and I'm in my fourth year of a Bachelor of Science in Applied Math. Awesome. You know what? We've been looking forward to doing this podcast for a long time. And of course, we're always trying to find topics that I think are going to be very relevant for AU students. And guess what? Today is one of them. Uh, you know, going through a typical university experience, I'll be, I will speak from my own experience, which was, I was married when I went to school. I graduated from McEwen University here in Edmonton, but we didn't have any children. And I'm very, very aware of, of the distractions and the, and the time commitments that come with that. And so um, I have so much, um, it's, it's such an honor to be able to talk to both of you because I, I totally get the struggles and and some of the successes and celebrations that go along with that as well, but also it can be difficult. So um, for us to be able to kick off uh, everything here, let's just begin with a nice easy one. And what motivated you guys to to go to university in the first place? And and Katie, maybe we'll start with you and then go over to Karen. Um, so I... But I, I really wanted to become a psychologist one day and work with children. Um, I had an experience with my own children and working with the psychological community. Um, and, and it was really enriching for me. I loved learning about how to best help my children. Um, and, and honestly, I looked to the psychologist in that community that was with us and said, how, how do I get to be you? What, what path do I need to take to do that? Um, and clearly I needed to start with getting an undergraduate degree. Um, and, and I was limited in where I could go because I had three young dependent children and I did not have the ability to go to a traditional school Monday to Friday, nine to five. I, my main priority and commitment was to my children. So going to AU was a wonderful option because I was able to do what I needed to do as a mother, but also what I needed to do for myself to further my own career. So it was 
it was kind of a, a strange little motivation for me, but it was a really wonderful, wonderful thing. I don't know. That's a pretty cool story to me. Yeah. Um, Karen, what about you? What motivated you to, originally to, to go into the university? Well, I have an earlier degree. It's a Bachelor of Arts. And I I really wish I had I had done something else. And I, I was sort of frustrated with my career op- options at, at the point where I was going back. And I was like, I wish I had studied math. And then I said to myself, well, I'm not getting any younger. Like, there's no reason I can't do it now. (laughs) And, and so, um, and so I looked into it and much like Katie, um, AU was accessible because it meant that I didn't need daycare, um, paying tuition and daycare at the same time would have been just prohibitively expensive. So, um, this meant I could study while they slept. You know what? And that, that's actually a future question that I had. And so we may as well just grab it right now, which was, is that, or was that one of the primary reasons why you chose AU, which is flexibility? Yeah, it was the only reason I chose AU. Um, I live pretty close to Carleton University and they have an excellent program, but the flexibility for not having to miss class when my kids are sick, this was before COVID, but I mean, if your kids are sick, you have to stay home with them. So what do you do if you have class that you need to attend or having to deal with like picking them up and dropping them off for school and class schedules and AU totally removes all of those barriers for me so that is why I'm here yeah and Katie was that a similar scenario for you as well yeah absolutely I would not have had the ability to get my degree if I had to bring my kids to and from school. Well, I mean, I did have to bring them to and from school, but if I had to go and pick them up when they're sick, which is all the time um, and miss class for that, there's no way I would have been successful. Um, and not to mention the cost of childcare for three children is, is enormous. There's no way I could afford tuition and get a degree and pay for childcare. So I, I simply, my options were no degree and and uh, this was the limit of my career or the only institution that offered the flexibility for me to do both yeah absolutely um katie you might have already mentioned this but just to confirm for all the listeners uh and i'll ask both of you um at what point of your parenting did you begin your post-secondary journey um so my son is my youngest one so when he started kindergarten was the year that i started with au so he started in the fall and i started two months after he did because i wanted to kind of get a feel of how he would do in in um, real school um and so he was gone only half the day but i was able to start with three classes and i would do them in that half of the day um but while all three of my kids were at school awesome and what about you karen Uh, Mine would have been one and a half, almost four, and almost six. So what's interesting for both of you is that you you essentially made this decision to go to university while you were moms, um, which I think is really unique. Um, You know, when you think about um, about your experience, how important to you as a parent is it to, to be an example to your kids and to go to university and graduate? How important is that? Which is maybe I kind of already know what the answer is going to be, but um, just from your perspective. Well, for me, I'd say it's not so much that I want to show them going to university, but that I want to show them that if there's something that's important to them, they can pursue that. Um, and that might be going to university for them. It might be something else. Um, 
I find a lot in our popular popular culture, there's this idea that you become a parent, you specifically you become a mother and you suddenly your life revolves around someone else and you have to give up all the things that make you you. That's really a, a reoccurring trope in a lot of, of TV and media and the idea that like, oh, it's just all about the kids and that's not healthy for anyone. Um, and so I, I want them to make sure that they always know that they they should have space in their life for what's important to them in addition to, to caring for the other people in their life. Yeah, I love that. Katie, what about you? Um, for me, it's it's extremely important that my children kind of see what the process is here um, and that they they decide to, I, like, I really want them to do post-secondary of any kind. Um, I'm the first generation in my family to go to post-secondary, so it was a very I didn't have that example and I, I want to be that example for my children. And I, I tell them daily that I, I really hope they choose to do this before they have a family um, because I think it would be a very different experience had I been younger and without children. And I'm so grateful for my experience, but I do think it has been compounded. It's been very difficult. And I, I really hope that this is the change in our generational pattern that my children then just see this is what we do and, and they go and they do university before they settle down and have children. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, I can't help but think when you're, when you're a child and you actually get to see your parent go through this university experience, um, I can't help but think that there's going to be so many barriers that are going to be torn down for them. Uh, Katie, you just said that you're a first generation uh, university student in your family. Uh, I was as well. Um, I think that there's something really valuable about seeing somebody go uh, through that experience and know that, okay, you know what, when I, when I graduate high school, that's not the end. It's really the beginning of really dialing into what you want to do for the rest of your life. And so I just think that the example that you're showing uh, both of your families and your children is, is incredible. So congratulations to both of you on that. One of the things that I wanted to kind of move into next is um, I'm kind of curious, like, obviously some of your children are young. Do they know that you're a university student? And other than that, what do your kids say about their mom going to university? And maybe uh, Karen will go to you first. So my four-year-old the other day looked at me and he goes, have you finished another course? Because whenever I finish a course, we have ice cream. It's, it's, <laughs> it's how I celebrate. Um, so, so he doesn't really understand me on the fact that every so often I do something called finishing a course and we have ice cream, but my oldest, um, definitely understands a bit more that like I'm in school, like he's in school. And the other day I picked him up from school and I was like, I got a hundred percent on my exam and just the beaming smile. It's, he was like, congratulations. It was just a really cool moment. Um, to see him like understand that cause, cause he knows what it's like to work hard and, and to be like, yeah, I did it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And Katie? Um, yeah, my children are all pretty aware that I go to school. Um, I've kind of taken over our living room and made myself a little office space here <laughs> to, to work in. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, there are times when they're very happy about it and they, they like to hear about it. We can do homework together. But there are also a lot of times where they're really like annoyed about it because we, they give up a lot for me to be able to go to school too. You know, there's there's a lot of times in the evenings where, you know, you're having family dinner and and time to sit together and read and play games and and uh, family walks and the, those sort of things. They get sacrificed because I, I need to work. So my children know that 
they they complain often when when it's uh, are you still in school? When are you going to be done school? And so that that can be kind of a trying thing where they understand to a degree. They know that I need to do this instead of something maybe more fun all of the time. But um, it, it's a mixed bag here. They're sometimes happy and sometimes really bummed about it. Well, and I think that might be a perfect segue into my next question, question, which is really addressing some of the challenges that AU students face while also being a parent or having dependents. And Karen, maybe I'll come over to you and then Katie, you can maybe expand from your perspective, but um, maybe let's, let's just kind of dive into some of the challenges that AU students face. I think one of them is financial. I mean, if, if you're a single person without kids and you have to support yourself while going to school, um, that's fewer expenses than if you're trying to support um, dependents. And I'm really, really fortunate in that I have a very supportive husband. Um, and, and so that's not a worry for me, but I know from a lot of other students um, that that's a difficulty. And I think another thing I hear a lot and, and something I can relate to is exams. Um, I mean, you know, you're not allowed to have anyone else in the room and there are parents that are like, but I'm breastfeeding or there are parents that are like, but what if my two-year-old starts crying? Right. Like, um, and some of, some of the methods for assessment don't always work really well. Um, I know I had a take-home exam once and the professor sent it, um, later and he was like, well, it's not a big deal. I was like, it is a big deal. He's like, but you still have, you know, 24 hours. I was like, but I don't have childcare in those 24 hours. I had childcare lined up for earlier. And he was like, oh, it's fine. You can do it with them. I was like, I cannot do a calculus take-home exam with three children climbing over (laughs) me. That's that's really not feasible. Um, And had to go up the the ladder a little bit. But I think that's something that a lot of um, us have to deal with is just finding time that's that's dedicated and where you're not going to get interrupted. Um, I've definitely done some assignments while watching uh, Paw Patrol, and it's not the ideal way to get assignment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I would say the um, the time factor is one of the biggest things. Um, I agree with Karen on the finances too. That's that's like a problem for future Katie. I don't know. <laughs> Thank God for student loans. Um, but uh, the time thing is the biggest thing that I found. I had the most success when I was able to work when I was alone without my children also needing things. And, and when they're awake, they always need things. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that my children are a bit older, so they're a little more independent. They don't need me to necessarily pour their cereal for them. So it's it's nice to kind of offload some of that task. But it's still, you get so much more work done when you're alone. So I actually got into a habit of, I would get up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. so that I could get a big chunk of my work done before they were awake and getting ready for school. Um, so so I, I would say like, yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge for me as an AU student with dependence was there wasn't enough time in the day where I could focus on only what I needed to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you when you look at, you know, whether it's students at a regular brick and mortar school some of the stories that you're talking about are just something so unique to to students who are parents. And I, I really appreciate you guys sort of bringing that to the podcast here today. Um, you know, when you think about your kids, have your, have your kids ever helped you with a course or have you ever had their, their input where maybe you're like, Hey, maybe I got inspired, you know, with a paper because of something that happened with your kids. So there was one time I had an exam. I think it was a calculus exam and you're allowed to bring one page of notes front and back. And Kayla was like, mom, I made something for you. And it was a piece of red construction paper where he had written the Pythagorean theorem. And I'm not quite sure 
why or how he knows about that. <laughs> he was like, it's a math thing. I was like, that's true. So he was attempting to help. It was really cute. Um, but for another one of my courses, I took Astronomy 205. And there's a project where you have to use something called the spectrograph. It's like a little piece of plastic you shine light through um, to look at the how it's refracted. And I needed to do this with a fluorescent light source, which I don't have in my home. So I'm grocery shopping with my three kids. My youngest is strapped to my back. The middle child is in the cart and Caleb is beside me. And we're standing there with my phone and this plastic holding it up to the lights in Walmart <laughs> while we're grocery shopping to try to find the rainbows. I'm sure I looked absolutely insane. And in my report, they, they were like, so tell us about the process. And I was like, this is what this project looked like for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they thought it was really, really neat that we got to go for a rainbow scavenger hunt in Walmart. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, Katie, what about from your perspective? Um, I have written so many papers um, based on my experience and my own self-reflection with my children. They've been really kind of a, a pivotal point of, of my degree where like I've, I've done a lot of psychology papers that have a self-reflection piece, um, a lot of child development papers, and they all go right back to my experience with my children. And like, clearly they're not named or anything, but um, they have helped me conceptualize a lot of the things that I'm learning and be able to apply things, um, at, which has really helped me um, in, in all of my learning. I've, I've also had a couple of courses where I needed to demonstrate some of the like different cognitive developmental periods for children by doing a specific task, asking them questions and figuring out how they find the answer. And it's really, really neat because I have this fantastic participant pool right in my house. Um, and I'm able to do it with all three of them and, and see the conceptual changes between the, each of them as they as they get older. Um, I find it really interesting. So they have been more involved than I think they're aware of a lot of the times. Uh, but it's I think it's given me a yeah. really unique perspective and a lot of my learning. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'll be honest. I'm actually, I find your stories emotionally impacting me. Like, I think there's something... <laughs> you know, just hearing about student ex experience and sort of the, the behind the scenes, uh, you know, family dynamics and those challenges that you face and some of those unique moments. So, um, yeah, I'm finding that really interesting right now. Okay. If you were to talk to your kids 15 years from now, maybe even 20, what would you hope they would say about their mom going to school when they were little and, and doing this for them? So I think that there is a lot of pressure on young people to, to try to make decisions that they're going to be happy with for their whole life when they're 16, 17, 18, right? I, I know when I was in high school, they were like, oh, you have to pick a, a program and that's going to get you a job and that's what you're going to do for your whole life. So you better get this right. Um, and I hope that I would be able to give them the example that like, you know what I did in. I changed my mind later about what I wanted to do and I needed something else. And it's not the end of the world. If you have to go back, like it's, it's not a, a one chance and that's it sort of scenario. And I hope that that would just give them peace that they, they would know that it's okay to have a journey where you're learning your whole life. And you mm -hmm. say, you know, I'm going to change direction or I'm going to try something new um, that that's a possibility. And that's something that, that they can do and that they would just, not be as stressed as a teenager and, and young person about that, that, that you don't have to have your whole life figured out when you're 20. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. And I can speak to that as well, because 
you know, I basically went to university from when I was 25 to when I was 30. So it's, it definitely doesn't have to be an 18, 19 year old journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, what about you? Um, I, I agree. I think that it gives a good, a good perspective for them to decide, you know, it's okay to change your mind. Um, I went to university when I was 18 and I was unsuccessful. Um, and it took me 10 years to get the courage up to try again. And, and I was successful and I hope that they can see, they can see that the failure is, is part, kind of part of the journey. Like it's okay. Everyone's going to fail when they're a young adults at something. Um, so I, I like that resilience piece that I hope is instilled in them. Um, not to be a complete Debbie Downer, but one thing I often reflect on is, is I hope my children forgive me for, for, you know, having to split my focus as much as I have and how absent I have to be at times. And that, that might be an irrational mom guilt thing, but I think to a degree, a lot of parents that are, you know, they are doing a career, which, which going to university is, is the start of your career. It might be an irrational mom guilt thing, but it is something I absolutely carry. I I hope my children can look back and, and forgive me for, for, for doing this, which makes so no sense. And I would not advise that to any other mother. I would tell her she's being crazy, but I, I think a lot of mothers feel that way too. And, and I hope they look back with pride and not, not um, bitterness. Yeah. But I also think that like how many more opportunities are, are you going to be able to help them have when they're older because of the career that you're going to have. Right. Um, like I know, one of the things I've been doing because I, I'm working while I'm a student is I'm like, but because I'm doing this, I can put money into their university savings account, which is really, really cool. Um, and, and I just, I think, I think there are ways that you'll end up being able to help your kids that, that they wouldn't have had if you weren't going this route. So I think like, it might not even just be a forgive thing, but that they would appreciate how much this has re- really or will benefit them. Yeah, yeah no, you that's absolutely true. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think in many, many ways, that perspective comes as your kids become adults and, and they can look back and realize, hey, my, my parents are actually people and they have goals. And um, yeah, I'm, I, I just really appreciate both of those perspectives. And I, and I think you're right, Katie. I think that that would be common, uh, you know, amongst many AU students that are, that are doing what you guys are doing. So I'm going to shift our focus just a little bit uh before katie makes me cry and i'm gonna say sorry (laughs) um (laughs) you know time management is huge and we were talking about that earlier right um Mm -hmm. time management is important for every au student but it must be especially true for parents uh how do you manage not only your own schedules but those in your family as well and maybe katie why don't we start with you and then we'll go over to karen Sure. So um, this is one of this is something I've been notoriously known for my Excel sheets um, throughout my life. I even my wedding, I had a manual that I made with tabs where people could go and see exactly what was planned for exactly when. Um, so I thrive on that. Um, so my children have a very extensive Google calendar that's shared between all of the caregivers that contribute to our family. So I've got, you know, one grandma mom, dad, and then each of the kids need to see it, their teachers see it, their gymnastics coaches see it. Um, and we basically have like color coding for each person and what are their needs, whose needs are the most critical at what time and, and who's responsible for what. So each <laughs> it's, it's it. excessive, it. <laughs> but we have a nice Google calendar that is full of squares everywhere. And, and we really need to plan out all of the kids' needs. 
Um, and then I go and I block off time that are my needs where I need to be studying this. I need to be attending this class. Um, and, and like I said earlier, one of the biggest strategies that helped me to be successful as be, with being an AU student was um, getting up really early in the morning. So like 4.30 to 5 is when I'd wake up. 5 is when I would like really struggle to get out of bed. Um, but I would get up and I'd roll down to my little taken over home office in the living room. And, yeah. and I would get a lot of work done then. I would probably do the most reading then because it's uninterrupted. Um, and I'd really like hammer out the bulk of my difficult work in the morning. And then I would I would be bringing them to school and doing other things throughout the day, but I'd still be working. So it was more interrupted. But I would, I would do that all the way up until probably 8 or 9 p.m. And then I was done. And I was permission to turn my brain off, go to sleep watch TV, have a bubble bath, but the, I, I had to have a very strict schedule where like, yeah, my bubble bath time was absolutely in that Google calendar, but it is, that is how I survived. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you had me at spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Karen, what about you? So I'm more of a written calendar type of person. Um, and I have a calendar that's on the right hand side, there's a spot to make a list for every day of the week. And on the left hand side, there's a spot to make like a giant do this thing this week list. And so every Sunday night I sit down and I write all the things that I need to do for the upcoming week, I go through each of my courses. I check like who has doctor's appointments or when are my meetings? And I put that all in there. Um, and then every day I just pick from the list of, of things that week. And, um, and one thing that I've, like during the pandemic, it was really, really hard. We're still in the pandemic, but all of my children have returned to school. They were out of school for 502 days. Not that I was counting. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then one of the strategies I had was every afternoon, they had quiet time for a couple hours. Um, and I was like, listen, your rooms are lovely. You have lovely toys that you like in your rooms. And we have, initially we had a grow clock, but then my older oldest learned to tell time and said, you know, you're going to be in that room until this point, And I'm going to have quiet time at the kitchen table. And I would just work. Um, I also worked a lot after they were in bed. So those were my two major strategies. Also recess on the first day of the pandemic, I promised them they would never miss recess, even though they weren't going to school. And every day I would send them in the backyard. And it was like <laughs> the most brilliant parenting hack I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, listen, for the two of you, did you ever come across you know, some unique financial aid or some, you know, support out there where you're just like, once you found it, you're like, oh my God, this is going to make such a huge difference in my life and my family's life. Was there anything that stood out to you and, you know, whether it was student aid or some sort of support for parents, um, you know, could you share that? Um, I'll jump in right there because I have lots of student aid. Um, so one thing I think a lot of parents don't really realize is, is a lot of people assume they don't qualify for financial aid through their provincial and federal body. Um, and, and you might not, but if you make an application and if you even show even $1 of financial need, um, you qualify and you can, you can qualify for a lot of grant money and having dependents actually makes you qualify for additional grants up over mm -hmm. and above and beyond the like full-time grants. Um, and so something when it comes to financial aid like that, you can fill in the application and you can accept only the amounts that the grants are if you are adamant that you don't want to take any loans on. 
But I think a lot of people really preclude themselves from access to these grants that are available to parents, um, assuming that they don't want they don't want to take on loans or they assume they can't, don't qualify for loans. Um, and it's it's a it's a shame because it's a lot of money that 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 you are absolutely eligible for, and um, it makes a huge difference in being able to go to school and and be able to afford the cost of of having a family because you know tuition is expensive and we talk about that a lot books are expensive all of this is expensive but what's really expensive is the fact that your time that could be put into earning an income somewhere else is it, it, that's taken away so your income's taken away plus the increased cost of tuition maybe childcare when you're doing things like exams like it is it's an expensive pursuit so take advantage of of every program that you are eligible for. And, and a lot of them you are through the federal student loans. So, so give it a try. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Katie. Anything to add, Karen? Um, both the AU and AUSU have awards. Um, totally check them out. They're both resources that are available and um, you can get a student card through AU and that can get you student discounts at places that give student discounts. I mean, it's not huge, but I know Bulk Barn gives students 10% off every Wednesday. And so like, that's when I go grocery shopping and I get a fair amount of like dry goods there. I get 10% off. And so if you have that student card and you're somewhere that offers a student discount, even though you're not like 18, you still get that. You, you still count as a student. Um, so I would absolutely encourage you to apply for an AU student card. It's not that hard. You don't actually need passport photos. My eight-year-old took my photos and I have a smile that's like, would you please take the picture now um, on my <laughs> face, on my student card, but it's fine. So it's not hard. And I would I would encourage everyone to have that just so you have a proof of being students. So when you're somewhere that offers a student discount, you can have it. I think that's a great tip. Love that, Karen. And also thanks for the plug for the AUSU awards program, which I know... Um, you know, Karen, you're a part of that committee and Katie used to chair that committee. So our awards program is something that we're very proud of. Those are great tips. I think, you know, whether it's financial aid or different policies or even just being able to pursue a different way of learning, if you had that magic wand, what change would you make to AU life to make it easier for parents who are also students? Just wave the wand. What would it be? Oh, that's a hard one. That is hard. That was, I don't, I don't know. I got to think about this for a second. And I mean, we've talked about some features of AU that have made it, you know, easier to, to kind of have the family and the university, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, whether that's the flexibility that we talked about, but have you encountered anything where you're like, man, I wish this was different? Hmm. I'm thinking something to do with childcare, like, you know, back before COVID and we had the yeah. exam centers, if there was like a childcare center mm. in the exam center where you could drop your kids off and go take your exam, like, you know, when you go to the gym and you bring your kids to the childcare thing, if we had something like that. Um, I don't know how applicable that is now in COVID times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Well, I had a similar thing, which is I, I wish there was a culture where the AU faculty and AU admin really sought to understand what it's like to have little kids. Um, some AU faculty do, some definitely don't. And I've definitely had times when I've, I've said, you know, I can't make this work. I can't have an exam and I can't have, I don't have that many uninterrupted hours at the time, especially during COVID because my kids were out of school for a year and a half. Um, and, and not everyone understood 
right? Some of them were like, oh yeah, we completely understand. Like, let's work this out, something that works. And some of them were just like, oh, but it's not a big deal. And I'm like, having a toddler climbing on you is a big deal. And just leadership and, and empathy, really, like that people would really seek to understand what is that like? And, and how can we help you? And just because students really sometimes need to be addressed on a one-to-one basis. Like my situation and the resources I have might not be the same as another student and they might have what works for me might not work for them. And what works for them may not work for me. And just that there would be an institutional um, culture of really wanting to know students and understand their barriers and work with the students to address those. You guys uh, absolutely killed it today. I really appreciate your time. I do have, however, some rapid fire questions to be able to end us off if you're up for that. Yeah, and, go ahead. And Katie, I know that you're you're a newbie to the podcast. So what you're going to find is that these questions are going to be super easy for you. Oh, um, good. <laughs> and and we're just gonna we're just gonna rapid fire out to them, and and maybe Karen will start with you, and then Katie, you can go second on all the, all these. So if you're ready, I'm going to sure. throw out some of them. Okay. So uh, let's let's start with something somewhat easy. Um, what was your worst subject in high school? Uh, French. Hey, that's uh, me too. <laughs> Katie? Science. I want to say science because I just didn't, I just didn't go. <laughs> okay. And well, and I think that's a valid concern as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would do it. Um, Karen, back to you. What was your best subject in high school? And I'm assuming it was math. It was math. Yeah. Okay. You and me can share that. Katie, what about you? Social studies. Loved a good paper. Really? Yeah, I know it's weird. Did your parents have a nickname for you when you were a kid? No. Um, sort of. So Katie is a nickname. I'm actually Catherine, but spelled with a C, not a K. And my mom wanted me to be called Katie, not Kathy, because I was named for her best friend, but she hated her best friend's name. So I don't, I don't know if that made sense, but there no, you have it. No, it does. <laughs> and, and maybe I'll even clarify the question because I was thinking like an endearing name. Oh, I was Katie Mady. I love that. And I'll even be, I'll, I'll even be open too, because my mom called me sweet pea forever. Like that was, <laughs> that was my nickname. Uh, do you guys have one for your kids? Buddy. They're all buddy. <laughs> um, I call mine Ellie Bobelli and Taylor Bobaylor and Evan Bobevan. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. I love that. Um, Karen, back over to you. Um, are you good at keeping secrets? Yes. Yeah, not at all over here. I, I, <laughs> I have a burning need to tell them. This is actually a really great question that Duncan gave me one time. And uh, I had the same answer as Karen. I, I'm a vault. It's like I'm, I need to know it's a secret. Yeah, but that once, is, that is an important detail. <laughs> Once you know that, it's like you're an oak of secrecy, right? Usually. I like on the inside, I'm like, ooh, I wish, but no, I'm I'm controlled enough. Yeah. If you tell me a secret, I promise you my husband knows. <laughs> okay, we're gonna shift here a little bit. Um, Karen, what's your dream job? I would love to be a professor, like a math professor. That'd be good. You'd be good at that too. Thanks. Katie? Um, I would really like to stay in academia, but also work in an applied setting. So I'm hoping to be a psychologist and I would like to, you know, do 
be doing research primarily, but also working in a private clinic doing assessments and behavior plan development. One of my good friends does that. Oh, cool. Love it. Has anyone ever said you look like a celebrity, Karen? No. You I don't look- think so. <laughs> and Katie, <laughs> neither you either? No, I don't think so. Has anyone said you look like a celebrity, Jody? Uh, do you know what? I get told that, and it's usually only while I'm at a golf course, that I look like David Duvall. Um, if you don't know who David Duvall was, he was at one point in time the number one golfer on the PGA Tour. Oh. But um, every like even this summer, I got it again. So it's, it's, it's kind of rent. Um, I've also had people say that I look like Woody Harrelson, but I'm not sure if I get that one. I don't know who that is. I just Googled David Duval and yeah, I could see it. Okay. Last one for you. Uh, Karen, have you ever had a crazy animal encounter? Um, when I was about eight, I caught a chipmunk with my bare hands and That's I went impressive. To, I went impressive. to show my mother and I was like, mom, look. And she's like, That's nice, dear. And I was like, You didn't look because like she, obviously and then she opened her eyes and looked and was like put it down yeah first of all how did you catch the chipmunk well it it kept getting a peanut from somewhere and then going down this hole and then coming up again and getting another peanut so i waited till it went down the hole and then i put my hands around it when it came up into my hands i just squeezed it a little bit and it went very still (laughs) you know what you never have to worry about karen like being lost in the wild and not being able to get food or something not that you want to eat chipmunks but i don't i'm a vegetarian you're, you're very resourceful. That's impressive. Katie? Yes. Yeah, so I have a story that's kind of on the opposite side of that perspective. Um, you know, aside from like the odd moose that you see on the side of the road or sheep blocking the highway that all Canadians have probably experienced. Um, yeah, yeah. My daughter once was singing outside. She was, she was like three and Frozen had just come out. So there was a lot of concerts and, and at a certain point you put that three-year-old outside so that everyone else can enjoy the concert too. And, um, she was singing and singing and then she started to really, really laugh and giggle. And she was calling for me, mom, come see, come look. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Whatever you're else I know. And, uh, then she's like, no, mommy, look, I have a friend. And I was like, okay, what is it? And I look out there and she was pinching like, like this giant hornet looking thing. Like it was like the size of her hand with like two body segments and she was just holding it up, pinching it. She'd found it, picked it up and pinched it and was showing me. And I lost my mind screaming, like, put it down. Oh my God. And she freaked out because I was screaming. So she let go of it. It flew away, probably terrified. And then she was so upset. And I thought, you know, she must be now afraid of this hornet thing she was pinching. And mm-hmm. she was so upset because mommy scared the bee away. So... <laughs> That, so it's just one of those weird, that was the weirdest animal insect kind of experience I've had. Fearless. My, ch- my children found a giant frog in my backyard. Like it was bigger than my hand last year and they just kept trying to hug it. And I, I don't think it survived the <laughs> hug. So it want. So, so they finally put it down and we're like, Toady is sleeping. And I was like, I just put you outside so I could get something done. And Good so man. then my husband had to bury Toady. <laughs> Those are just epic stories. I love it. Toady. That's a good name. Toady. Yeah. Oh, I have another one too. I have a lot of traumatic hamster stories. I feel like anyone who has had a hamster has traumatic hamster stories. But um, this one was my daughter had a hamster and we went on vacation and I left the cage on top of the breakfast bar on our island because, you know, I didn't think a hamster running in a wheel would knock a cage onto the floor, but it did. 
So the hamster got out and I sent in search parties to look for this hamster so that they could like find it and put it back in the cage before we got home. And um, the hamster was eventually found, but mostly dehydrated and and unfortunately it passed away. So then... (laughs) Then uh-huh. we had like a search party for a replacement hamster before we got home. And and we found one that looked really, really close to it, except it had really long hair and the, the OG hamster did not. Um, so then when we got back, my kid asked like, oh, what happened to Wilbur? Why is, why is his hair so big? And I was like, oh, his adult coat must have come in. And then we had a <laughs> lesson on hamster adult coats. Um, and then like two months later, it appeared to be not with us anymore and and we had a whole funeral and we buried it and then in my AU studies I was in my it was my brain and behavior course it was psych 402 I was learning about different sleep patterns and one example was hamsters that are hibernating and apparently a lot of people mistake it for (laughs) being dead and I was like oh my god I think I buried a live hamster so so my advice is never get your kid a hamster (laughs) Oh my oh goodness, my. that's the worst. When I was yeah. when I was about eight, my brother and I, no, maybe I was 10. My brother and I both had hamsters. And um one day we heard this interesting like shrieking sound from upstairs. And we came up and he was trying to teach the hamster how to skydive. And hamsters oh, no. make a noise when you throw them. It, throw them gently against a pile of pillows. But so then I had two hamsters and Jeff didn't have any. Oh my wow. god. These this is this podcast has been taken to a whole nother level of of hamsters. Probably don't get hamsters. <laughs> no, just just avoid it. It's not a good idea. Oh my god, that is that's a hilarious story. You know what? You guys absolutely killed it today. Um, really appreciate uh, the openness and just kind of sharing your experience here. And and I think there's a lot of listeners out there that are uh, AU students that are parents or that have dependents and can very much relate. And I just, this podcast was exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Uh, I just want to thank you both uh, for, for hanging out with us today. Uh, and also the sacrifices that you guys make uh, with your families to pursue your academic goals. And, um, you know, with everything that we were talking about today, I also recognize that you give so much to AUSU as well. And so on behalf of the organization, I want to thank you for being an amazing mom, going to school, being a great student, giving back to your university, and also being there for us as the students union as well. And, you know, Karen, you're, you're part of our executive team. Katie, you have been part of our council uh, for a number of years and, and played major roles within the organization as well, such as, you know, chairing our awards committee, which is what we talked about earlier. So I guess on behalf of AUSU, I just want to congratulate you both for being amazing moms. Your kids are so lucky to have you both. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. This was a lot of fun. Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And this is AUSU Open Mic. Have a good one.